Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kiva, yeah. Welcome to Thirty Two Fans. How are you doing today? Why do you sound so depressing? Oh, just that music. It reminds me. A uh, poor run out for a quarter of the city of King's Landing. The entire Tyrell family line destroyed. You think that uh, the grandma can't have any more kids? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I guess anything's possible. Do they have menopause in Westeros? I don't really know the answer to that. It's a good question. It's possible, like, even though it's technically the past, like, maybe some of the aspects are futuristic. There is time travel, right? There's definitely time travel like, with Varys and Littlefinger. Yeah. <laughs> Teleportation, yeah. It's an alternate universe. That's why I sent an email to to the Posture Recaps Game of Thrones podcast last week talking about Sansa's pregnancy and the fact that she wasn't showing even though it had been several months. But as I said, why are we just assuming that a pregnancy lasts nine months in Planetos? It could be three months. It could be four years. Who knows? Would you call right? it Planetos? That's what people call it usually. Planetos? What do you call it? The I, Game of Thrones universe? I guess. Nobody calls it Planetos. Yeah, they do. Google it. Nerds like me do. Planetos. It's the unofficial name because it's... it's it, it, when you Google it, it says, did you mean get a life? <laughs> did you mean pick up lines for virgins? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to redo my TV show rankings and move Game of Thrones to number one all time. No, it's absurd. I mean, it was really good, but wait for the ending. I really like Seinfeld, obviously, but just the degree of difficulty. You know, so HBO also had this had this little 18-minute uh, making of um, documentary on uh, HBO Go and HBO Now last night, which I watched. Mm -hmm. and, and they showed how they made each of the last two episodes, The Battle of the Bastards and then last night's episode. And... The amount of work that's, you know, Seinfeld, all it really is, is a script and a story and four comedian actors, you know, one of whom is not even a good actor at all. This show has such a higher degree of difficulty. The amount of things it has to do, not just in terms of the story and the acting and all that, but in terms of the effects and in terms of the vision to even think of these effects. I mean, it's really incredible. And this isn't just a movie that's two hours. This is an hour every single week. You know, we're going on, what, 60 hours of this. It's really, it's on another level. I don't think that there's been a piece of, of media that has been impressive in my lifetime. 
this impressive or, or this is the first time you've been impressed? No, this impressive. This, this is the most impressive. This is the most awesome, using that in the literal, not in sort of the uh, popular vernacular way. This is the most awesome television show. All right, what else you got for me? What do we, I don't even know what we're talking about today, honestly. Oh, we, didn't, so, we didn't talk about yeah. it. All right, so yeah, let's talk about it now. So we, we went through our 100 greatest movies of the last 25 years, you and I, and we had 20 listeners who submitted lists as well. Very impressive. This is a much, much harder list. You know, we had almost twice as many people make movie, make TV show lists, but that was much easier. This was a really tough job. So kudos to all our listeners. And I thought maybe we'll, we'll start by going through the listeners' cumulative top 10 or top 20 or so, and then we'll sort of highlight some of the individual listeners, some of their interesting picks. Oh, okay, fine. Now, you have all the lists, and you could... Uh... Yeah, I sent it to you, but... Okay, but yeah, I, yeah, I have it open. So, all right, so let's start, start at 19, because there's, there's a cutoff in terms of the sort of the ranking, the points ranking. There's a nice cutoff between 19 and 20. So, number 19 is The Social Network, which you did not even rank. Okay. Number number 18... By the way, Benji Glowinski ranked uh, The Social Network number four, and so okay. he's the... He let's, the most. let's not do that for every movie. Nobody cares. Okay. All right. Number 18, The Big Lebowski. You and I both have it number two all time, so we were disgusted by uh, the, the relatively low ranking that it received from everybody else. Yeah. All right, number 17, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. You do not rank this. I have never seen this. I think I'm going to assign myself as this a movie I have to see because so many of our listeners had this as a top 10, top 15 movie, and I've never seen any of the Terminators. You know, they were before my time. Have you seen Terminator 2? No, or n- no, I haven't seen one or two or however many they've made. I haven't seen them. Okay, but you're not inspired to see it from the listener rank. Oh, definitely not. I'm despired okay. to see it. All right, yeah. It's only so number 17. I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to see... Well, it's only number 17, but again, we have... These, these are the number of people who have a top 15. Uh, Michael Clark, Johnny D. Silvera, Greg Graham, Zach Brooks. So we got a lot of listeners who really love Terminator 2, so I think I'm going to sign it to myself. All right, uh, number 16, 7. Another movie that you and I were not as high on as a lot of people. Both Scott Pyle and Spencer Parks have this as the number one movie of the last 25 years. Okay. Yeah, a little bit too dark for me. All right, number 15, Good Will Hunting. This is Michael Clark's favorite movie. 14, Groundhog Day. I keep going. I mean, these are all movies we discussed for the most part. Uh, number 13, which you failed to rank for some insane reason, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's Benji Lewinsky's favorite movie. Uh, number 12, Memento. Okay. As well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number 11, Saving Private Ryan. All right. Okay, now let's get to the top 10 movies of all our listeners. Okay. Number 10, you also rank this uh, in your top 15, Toy Story. Yeah, the only problem is I don't see Toy Story 2 or 3 anywhere near there, and you they have to be very close to each other. It, well, you can't, okay, so Toy Story 1 is number 10 on our list, right? Yeah. Toy Story 3 is number 57 on our list, and Toy Story 2 is number 87 on our list. So to have three movies of, a, uh, of one series in the top 100 is pretty impressive, although you had them all in your top 15. So. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Gladiator, my number one movie, uh, clocks in at number 66. Very disappointing. Okay, that's fair. That's about, That's pretty high for it, but you skewed mm. it by overrating it. I get it. Mm, I disagree. The person whose number one movie is the lowest, actually, is Jake Larson, V for Vendetta. He has it as the number one movie, and um, only two other people ranked it at all, so it's cumulatively the 164th on our list. Uh, excuse me. No, no. Somebody's even lower. Oh, this is actually a weird one. Max Benowitz, who's only 18 years old, so I actually got to give him credit, because this is a movie that's for people like even older than us, I think. Sideways. Did you ask all of our listeners their age? Like, how do you know every listener's age? That's kind of strange. Because he mentioned it in an email to us the other day. Maybe it was like, don't tell everyone. Like, pretend <laughs> to be 40 online. <laughs> well, he, well, he does pretend to be 40 because his favorite movie is Sideways. Have you seen Sideways? No. I, my anti-Kevin Spacey take is nothing compared to my anti-Giamatti take. Wait, what? Giamatti's one of my favorite actors. What's oh, wrong I, with you? I hate him. Especially oh when he's not playing a villain. 
how, how can you hate Giamatti? Oh, he's like the least likable person on earth. First of all, he's highly likable. But yeah. second of all, oh my God, he's so. Did you not like John Adams? Do you not like Billions? His two uh, premier TV I've shows. I've never seen, never seen either of them. <sighs> I don't even. I didn't even like 1989 Major League Baseball when his dad was commissioner for two weeks. Before that. <laughs> yeah, so Sideways is a, is a pretty good movie. It was very beloved by people about 10, 15 years older than us. So, uh, mm-hmm. props to Max Benowitz, who's 18 years old and likes a movie about going through a mid-age life crisis in Napa Valley as his number one movie. Um, all right, so back to our list. Number nine, number nine on our list, a movie that almost everybody ranked except for Akiva for some reason. Schindler's List. Yeah, I just I, I had never seen it from start to finish. I felt bad rang so it, weird. and I, I feel like we've discussed it. Oh, yeah. All right, number eight, Jurassic Park. Okay, I like it. Okay. Number seven, Fargo. Yeah. By the way, Tarantino and the Coen brothers really do the best in our cumulative rankings. That makes sense. Yeah. Number six, Sean Falconer's favorite movie and Gal Baum's favorite movie. And by the way, Sean Falconer, well, we'll get to it when we discuss his list, but I'm a big fan of his list. Number six is Forrest Gump. What do we discuss this list? We're not discussing each each user's list. I'm. Oh, we're not. Oh, we, no. we do that for the TV show. I know, but I feel like we're not going to do it here. This is a much harder list. You're not going to reward the listeners who went to the effort of making. The a list. problem is, we're really punishing the listeners because it's boring. <laughs> we're, we're, listen- we're punishing the other listeners. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, if any listener wants to hear my analysis of your list, uh, all right. So now that I mentioned Falconer, I'll just say Falconer's list is probably the the chalkiest list and I don't yeah. mean that in an insult I mean his list most closely mirrors the cumulative list like the top six movies he has all of them or he has five of the top six in his top ten also pretty much mm-hmm. and then the other one he has pretty high as well yeah and then number eight nine he also has in his top twelve so yeah Sean Falconer's list is probably the chalkiest and I really really like his list it's uh it most represents our listeners and I'm pretty much in line with our listeners as well um all right so number six is uh Forrest Gump we said and then number five Greg Graham's favorite movie in the last 25 years and that's Fight Club Oh, uh, okay. Let's not talk yeah. about it. No number four, a movie that neither you nor I ranked, but is beloved by many people, including apparently um, it's the number one movie on IMDb among the stupid millennials who vote on IMDb, and that's The Dark Knight. Okay. Look, my issue with Dark Knight, again, I just, I'm not into superhero movies. Um, and I understand that this is way better than that, and so I actually did watch this one, and it was okay, but... It was a good movie. Yeah. I, I, I could care less. Like, I would never watch it again. Okay. Number three... And this list was on all but four lists. There's only four jackasses who didn't find the reason to put this on their list. One of those jackasses is, is A.B. Sutton, who said it was like literally 101 on his list, so I'll give him a, a semi-reprieve. And one of those jackasses is you. Yeah, but it was also like in the top 105 on my list. I, I think oh, it was, okay. it was on right. an initial version of my list. Okay, The Departed. It's in my top 100 of the decade. Okay. And now, number two and number one have a huge, huge gap. So in terms of points... And very easy the way I did points. If you rated a movie number one, you get 100 points. If you rated number two, you get 99 points, et cetera, all the way down. Number two has almost 1,400 points. The gap between number two and number three is bigger than the gap between number three and number like 20 in our list. Okay. So the gap between two and three is enormous. So two, it's like gold and silver medal easily. Number two is The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. AB's favorite movie. You and I both have it at number four. Yeah. Michael Clark has it at number three. Jake Larson has it at number two. Jared Roman's at number five. Oh my God, he's going to keep going with this. Gal Bomb has it at number three. Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, fine. And then we get to the number one movie. And this one, by an even bigger margin, the gap between one and two is so big. The gap between one and three is bigger than the gap between three and like four. This movie was far and away everybody's favorite movie only two people did not have it on their list at all uh one was jake larson who uh weird because he's pretty chalky the rest of his list but he doesn't have the number one movie on his list at all and then the other person was johnny d silvera johnny d silvera also fails to list this movie mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know what you know what it is obviously but uh, you don't acknowledge it's great well, canadians hate fiction. uh pulp fiction 
Yeah, Pulp Fiction. Uh, Jared Jerome, Obstinacy, and uh, Jim Crumley all have it as the number one movie of all time. So three people have it number one, excuse me, in the last 25 years. Pulp Fiction, far and away the best movie in our lifetimes. By leaps and bounds. Nonsense, but okay. By the cumulative rankings. All right, so can we discuss, can we discuss the, the, the listener's list at all or, or no? If you give me one fact about each person's list quickly, fine. <sighs> okay, fine. One fact about each person's list. All right, uh, Michael Clark has Spider-Man 2, number two on his list. And he has Seabiscuit 9. <laughs> Next. <All right. laughs> um, uh, I don't know why you're so la- you're laughing. I John, feel like Michael Clark always takes it the hardest on these on these uh, on this podcast. He's a Yankees fan and a Patriots Yeah, the fan. Yankees Patriots thing really yeah. gets it. Uh, Johnny D. Silvera has walked the line at number 12. Curious decision. Okay, he loves Johnny Cash. Yeah, A.B. A. Sutton, for the most part, has a pretty good list. As I said, Garden you know, State at thirteen is about four hundred and thirteen too high. Yeah, you hate Garden State. You've said that before. I mean, it's it, at this point. I think we all hate Garden State. Nobody really holds of it anymore. Signs at seventy six. That's kind of nutty. Yeah, I think Jake Larson. We mentioned Greg. We mentioned Jared Jerome. We mentioned Falconer. I'm trying to find something we haven't mentioned yet. Oh, Bob Phelan. Bob Phelan had. Uh, oh, I, we did mention because he has There Will Be Blood number one, just like you. But then he has Inglorious Bastards number two. You don't even rank it. He has Black um, Swan seventeen. Yeah, I dressed as, a, as the Black Swan once uh, for Purim, which is the Jewish Halloween. To rave reviews. Jim Crumley, we just mentioned, he has Pulp Fiction number one as well. He also has Pi, number six, uh, the Darren Aronofsky movie. Have you seen okay. Pi? Uh, I feel like it's been on like IFC, and I've like seen it for a minute, but never the whole time. My high school friend, Seth Ansiska, that was his favorite movie. Yeah. All right, so Max Bennett, we just said, he has Sideways number one. Scott Pyle has an interesting list. He has seven number one, pretty standard, but he has Gosford Park number seven. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he says, this Altman movie is forgettable after one viewing. <laughs> but then he says it really gains the more you watch. I'm not sure why you'd watch it so many times, but no, that's Scott Pyle, uh, his sort of interesting selection. Uh, okay. Spencer Parks, we said, also has seven number one. He has Silver Linings Playbook at number six, which is way, way too high. I'm sorry. Too high. Unacceptable. Yeah, that's way too high. I agree. That's absurd. Yeah. That's, that's absurd. It's too high. Yeah, I like yeah, it, Zach, and it's still too high. Zach Brooks has uh, That Thing You Do at number four. Wow. And now I'm gonna have that song in my head the rest of the even day. Even if it was, even if, even if it was Tom Hanks movies, four is insanely high for that thing you do. Yeah, strange decision. Honestly. Even if it was Tom Hanks movies about a band where they play one song the whole time, yeah. I'm not sure it should be top five. All right, Josh Feynman has Before Sunrise at number four. Him and his wife and Offset. People love pre- the After Sunrise Midnight yeah. movies. Av and both Feynman's ranked all three of those movies. Oh, can we talk about something for a second? Actually, yeah, go ahead. Now that no one's listening, this is a good time. Yeah. Uh, so Richard Linklater directed those movies. Yeah. So this weekend I just watched uh, Everybody Gets Some. Okay. Or Wants Some. Everybody Wants Some. Yeah, the, the sequel to Days and Confused in a sense. Or, or, he, or he claims it picks up right after Boyhood, which was in my top five. Wait, I thought you had no, seen but it. No, it takes place in the 80s. What are you talking about? Yeah, but it's like in his mind it's what happens to the kid because Boyhood ends. Spoiler so the, so, the, so the kid travels back in time. 25 years and it's, goes it's, a, it's a theoretical like sequel. But I thought he said it was a spiritual sequel to Days and Confused because that I was during high school. I, in I, the, I saw where right. he said maybe a little of both. Oh, okay. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. So let's Wait, so you didn't take. see it though? No, I, int- I will see it though. I oh, because I thought you watched it. I, for some reason, I thought that you watched it and really liked it because... I think I will I, really like it, but, but I haven't seen but it. I, so, so I watched it this weekend and I really didn't like it. Oh. All right. So let's put, let's put a pin in that. To the, okay. I thought you had seen it already. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, um, Avigail Feynman, as I said, the, the, the only husband and wife duo to both submit lists this time. Mm-hmm. She, she has Before Sunset number two on her list. So these Feynmans really are all about those, that Linklater trios. Did you see those movies? No. 
No. Any I've seen them. a piece of the first one. I saw the first one, and I saw either the second or the third. I forget. It's You know what it is. It's just all... Yeah, I, I, I've seen part of it. I know what it is. Yeah, okay. It's fine. I'm not sure how you put a number two on a list. Benji Glowinski, as we said, he has Inglorious Bastards number one. Oh, you got to say everyone's age when you mention them. Yeah, I thought you were oh. supposed to. <laughs> and guess if you don't know. Uh, <laughs> Benji Glowinski, not related to Josh. Uh, or Monica, for that for that matter. Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, He has Shrek number seven. He, he says it's the best Eddie Murphy movie eligible for this list, but that's really a fast horse in a slow race. Yeah. Yeah, and, Sh- and Shrek isn't really an Eddie Murphy that's, movie. That's a yeah. mutter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then Gal Bomb, who he actually runs a – he runs or he used to work at a uh, blockbuster video kind of place. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Oh, so now you're going to people's jobs. You're like you're past <laughs> – No, I think so. He's, he's like an expert when it comes by, to movies. By the, next, by the next list, we're going to addresses. Oh, so he used to work he's, at a blockbuster. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Gal Baum no longer works at a blockbuster <laughs> because the company doesn't exist anymore. You know the funny thing. So my building where I lived my first two years of law school had in the building, like in the basement or, or like on the street level, a, a a like a movie rental, like a DVD rental store. Okay. And and then it was going out of business because this is 2009 and that's when these places went out of business. Yeah. And and they were selling every single DVD in the store, and I thought, oh my god, this is such a great deal. For example, I bought like every single DVD. Of Kirby Enthusiasm, the first six, seven seasons, whatever it was at the time, for like five bucks each. Uh huh. And now they're completely worthless because you can just go on HBO. Go oh, they're worthless. <laughs> I think the one near my college, uh, which I, some like I, I had started using it for like the Netflix purpose of it because you could just bring it into the store and then you could you could actually take them out of the store. Like so, I was watching The Wire that way, and it was a couple of shows. I would use it similarly for TV shows. And I remember when it closed, and the lady was like, "Oh yeah, they said they're opening up like a new one a few blocks away, hopefully." You know, and I felt bad because like I didn't say anything because like she was losing her job. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think that ever reopened. Spoiler alert. Yeah, R.I.P. Blockbuster. Uh, let me ask a question. So, uh, do you you must own a number of DVDs, right? Have you thrown your DVDs out, or what do you do with? I them? haven't thrown them out, but I feel like I, I I don't really care about them anymore. Well, but the problem for me is I move every year, as we've talked about, and I move them from place to place, and I'm basically just paying movers. You move every year from the age of thirteen until the last two years. I had moved more than once every twelve months. You'd never stayed put for 12 months or an average? I had never stayed for, for, for 12 consecutive months until the last couple of years. You mean because you never, like in college, you never stayed? In, in grad school, you never like stayed in the same place? Well, so the first two years I lived in the same building, but we, I lived, I, we switched apartments from okay. first year to second year. And then in the middle of the second, and then after the second year, I got married. And so then the third year, I lived somewhere so else. So you're really, uh, do you want to rank the places you've lived on a separate podcast? I have done that, actually. Oh, my God. And, and I've ranked all my roommates. What's number so I one? Like, Ooh, I hope Jen is number one. <laughs> Among my roommates? Yes. I get more benefits from her than I did from most of the other roommates. But what, like, uh, so she's top five? <laughs> she's in the top five, yeah. She's the only, she's the only woman I ever lived with, so. Um, a lot of people are into, like, the co-ed roommates. To me, it's, it's, it's too intimate of a relationship. You know, if you're my roommate, you're going to see me in my underwear a lot. Yeah. I don't know. It just... No, no woman wants to do that. How can you have... Maybe I'm just too sexual of a being, but I don't understand how you can live with somebody who you could be sexually attracted to and not have sex with them. Hold so. on. So you just said, <laughs> maybe I'm too sexual of a being, and I vomited like four times in my mouth. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, would you, would you live with I'm a woman just... who... Oh, boy. I mean, unless you're both mutually not attracted to each other. Yeah. But... Well, I would say, like, the odds of them being attracted to me are... are low I would, so no like, but if I'm somebody already, lives with you they're gonna sure. like you they're gonna be attracted to you or you're gonna you know? hate them like i feel like every roommate That's i've had true. probably hated me i think i think if you if you rate your roommates on how much they like you my wife would probably be dead last right now so. <laughs> on how much they like me <laughs> no on, on how much they like me 
Oh, no, wait, I'm confused. Are you saying your wife doesn't <laughs> if like you me ask or you? My, me. If you ask my oh, other roommates, it. they're like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I haven't seen Alex in a while. Be right. together. And my wife would be sure. like, yeah. Look. Right. If you asked all like 20 of them, how many of them are there? Of all my roommates? Yes. Well, around, around 15 or so. If you asked 15, all 20. 15 of them like separately, if they wanted to go out to dinner, you'd get the hardest no from your wife probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She'd say, how about you go to dinner with them and not, not come back for a while? Right. Um, um, although I liked how on the side of podcast, Rob, uh, Sister Nino said that uh, the way he remembers weddings he's been to is what he was fighting with his wife. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Uh, yeah, that is sort of a Because, you know, it is a real problem. We're getting a little inside Orthodox Jewish baseball here. But, like, we go to weddings, especially if you live in New York. Well, even more if you don't live in New York. But, like, you live in New York. And one, our friends all get married within, like, a, 80% of our friends get married in, like, a two to three year span. Right? Yeah, so I, I spent the year after college, which is like a prime time for getting married. I spent that year traveling abroad, so I missed a bunch of weddings. Oh, you missed a lot of weddings. Okay, but you, you, you still yeah. know what I'm no, talking no, but about. You're yeah, not yeah, a yeah, moron. Yeah. So the, there's and a window, then, yeah. There's a three-year window where you're going to lots of weddings. Right. And then... Um, oh, you got, married before, you got married before the window. I got married probably a few months before the window, yeah. A few months? You got married when you were like 19 or 20. I got married when I was 20, but no, the window started, the window started that uh, November, December. No, my window did not. Well, listen, maybe... My friends got married, I'd say, from 23 to 26. No, our window started... Like, I had a bunch... Off the top of my head, I could think of, like, a bunch of friends who got married before the turn of 2004. Anyway, this is probably boring everyone except, like, like, three So, how many... You went to lots of weddings when you you were in college? Dozens. Oh, I went to, like, fewer than... I went to, like... Five, maybe I don't know. I mean, but also like, and I, the year now, after college is, is but like the part big of it is also oh, because whatever. like I came back and I'm I was at Yeshiva University and I'm not even going to bother explaining some of this stuff, so you might just be lost. All right. No, but I see. No, but I, I get, think I it's interesting. Point, but yeah. anyway, so the point. Oh, so back to the point. We go to the, we went to weddings in the same. <laughs> I, I like the implication that we ever had a point. <laughs> no, we went to weddings in the same like four places, like the the major yeah. halls. Like sometimes you go to these like gross places in Brooklyn. But like, wait, didn't I? T- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't you what? Did I tell the time that my wife and I tried to crash a wedding at? Um, wait, what's the place in the Bronx called again? Marina. Yeah. Did I tell you? What See, we by the way, notice that he just says the place in the Bronx, and I within one yeah. second, I know just the. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Did, did, but did I tell you that story? Why do crash a wedding at Marina? We once had just to give you an idea of how many weddings in this season, and we had double because I was married so young that I had to go to all, all my wife's, wife's friends' yeah. weddings. There was th- this one place. Marina in in the Bronx. Marina Del Rey, yeah. Her friends, she didn't. She wasn't invited to all of them. I think she was invited to two out of the three. But there was back to back weddings on Sunday in the same place. One was a, like a, <laughs> was like eleven a.m. or eleven thirty a.m. and one was six thirty. And we went to the first one. My dad was invited to the second one, and he came in from summer camp. It was the middle of the summer. He slept. He like slept in like the, one of the bridal rooms <laughs> he like fell asleep for a couple hours he had driven in four hours and he was driving back four hours after he like just fell asleep on a couch somewhere at the wedding at like in the hall and then so that we went to one and then there was a lot of the girls were staying for the second wedding in the same place on the same day and this was on the sunday and tuesday night a lot of them had a third wedding in the same place luckily the food is very good so it's not like uh oh is there the same cater there every time yeah so why do you crash this wedding no, no. Well, so so just you mentioned. So I had I went I went to Penn undergrad, and we had two friends from Penn, and obviously they had tons of mutual friends because you know like I was friends with both of them, and they both got married the same Sunday, but one got married in New Jersey, one got married in Long Island. Okay. And it just seemed like such. Oh, a we, by the way, like, speaking of like having a million weddings in the same two year span, we had days with three weddings. We had multiple days where we had to go to two weddings. That's ridiculous. You know, like insane. literally, like I had a friend who was like the dancer. This is getting like super. 
whatever. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> not just <laughs> bother, father. No, I'm just saying like, I remember, so like the way the dancing works, and I'm, I know that you know this, but I'm explaining it to the listeners. The way the dancing works is like, it goes in order of like how close you are to the person kind of. You know, you start dancing like you start when you dancing. get to dance with the bride or groom yourself. You're saying, yeah, you know, you dance with your parents and the in-laws and the brothers and and then like and I have to leave, but I want him to like see me. This is a groom, so I had like jump in. But you like, don't want to push your way ahead, right? Of your so I like, but I jumped in like twenty turns too early because yeah. I had to leave. And but he's it's like, my like, grandmother's right there. You shoved her out yeah, of the way like, to like, like <laughs> elbow quick, like thirty seconds, and then I had to like drive forty-five minutes to. Actually, to Marina, that what we were. There, were, there was always the about. stress in that scenario of like you have to come up with like some unique dance to do. You can't just like you know. Do sure. The same thing as but a, I'm I'm a, yeah. I have no coordination. I'm a bad dancer. <laughs> Wait, so, so you didn't tell your wedding crashing story. Okay, so basically, um, we lived uh, when when my wife went to medical school. We lived in the Bronx, and we lived right down the road from Marina Del Rey, the boogie down Bronx. Yeah, and we had been to many uh, many uh, affairs, catered affairs, as uh, Frank Costanza would say. Mm-hmm. This, at this establishment, at this mm-hmm. location. So many so that I speculated to my wife. I said, this place, I bet you, pretty much year-round, I would bet, has an Italian wedding every Saturday and a Jewish wedding every Sunday, right? Because Jews yeah. obviously aren't get, or, or observant Jews aren't getting married on Saturday because it's the Sabbath. But every single Sunday, there's a Jewish wedding there, it feels like, because I was at many and you were at probably even more than me. Yeah, they're booked probably... Yeah, and, and so I said to my wife, I said, listen, here. we live down the road. It's Jewish weddings also, te- or observant Jewish, we- Orthodox Jewish weddings tend to be much larger than the average wedding. Like, you know, 400 people is a standard size for a wedding, I'd say. You know, I had like 250 at my wedding. And in the Jewish world, in the Orthodox world, I think that's considered small. Whereas like at work, people said like, oh my God, that's the biggest one I've ever heard of. Right. So the point is weddings are so big that you could show up at a wedding and not necessarily, like you could you could crash a wedding and nobody would notice because they just, well, you're on the other side. You're oh, the totally. Side. Oh, oh, yeah. Because everyone yeah. would assume you're the you're on the other side. Uh, and and, and also the because these weddings are so big, they're a little more informal. Like when I used to live in Boston, Boston for law school, sometimes I would say to friends of mine, hey, I'm coming down to New York this weekend, I have a wedding, right. and they'd say, whose wedding is it? And I'd tell them, and they'd say, oh, I'll stop by and say hi. So they'd come to somebody else's wedding to say hi to me, and then also to get like you know some free drinks or sushi or sure. yeah. And that's like, I wouldn't say it's encouraged behavior, but it's totally, it's it's understood. Yeah, who cares? And also, yeah. right, there's no scenario where one of a standard one of these weddings, someone is going to stop you. Unless it's yeah, a exactly. really fancy place or it's smaller. Well, no, like, it could, or if it's somebody who you like absolutely hate, like if it's at any. Oh, obviously, <laughs> yeah. If, if there's like a guy at the door looking to like a security guard making sure that you're not there. Yeah. Sometimes, you know what it is? Sometimes there's like, I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding like this. Sometimes there's like a really messy divorce and like the dad isn't allowed at the wedding or something. So then they'll actually have like people checking people at the door. Ooh, but it's pretty that's rare. That's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty rare. Yeah. So I said to my wife one day, I said, listen we are not doing anything on an average Sunday afternoon. Why don't we have a date? We'll get dressed up. You'll get a nice dress and I'll wear a suit and we'll drive down to Marina Del Rey because the odds How are... How long is this Sunday? Drive? Two minutes. Okay. The odds are it's a Sunday afternoon. There's a Jewish wedding there. We'll probably know somebody, friend of a friend of a friend or something and we'll just, we'll, we'll slip in. I'll get a few drinks. She'll get some sushi at the smorgasbord and, you know, and we'll have a good time. So that was our plan. And I, and I pushed this for a while, and my wife was a little more, I guess, Rightfully respectful of, of social mores. Yeah. yeah. So I, I convinced her to do it. So we get there. So we pull up. But we don't want to, like, park the car in the – or we don't want to give the car over to the valet because just in case it's not going to work. So my wife stays in the car and makes me run in, and then I'm going to call her and tell her if it's safe to come in. So I walk in there, and I had never seen Marina Del Rey so empty. There's like nothing going on in the front room. And so I go in further. And then you know the room like when you walk into your right where like the where like the Kabbalah's Panam would be, for example? Yeah. So I walk in there and like so the rooms had been sort of, you know, there's dividers to make more rooms, more smaller rooms if necessary. So there's sort of a smaller room on the right, and there was 
and excuse my cultural ignorance, but I, I, whether, I don't know if it's a confirmation or a sweet 16, but there was some kind of party for a, what I think was like a, like sort of a young Italian American girl, like okay. a 16, like a high school age girl. Okay. And so I sort of walk in the room and, but it wasn't a big crowd is what I'm saying. There was like fewer than a hundred people. And so they all turn around and they look at me. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of freeze. And then I, and then I just sort of do the move where I'm like in the wrong room and I'm looking for like a different function in a different room. Yeah. But, and so I turn out, I start walking away and then somebody sort of near the door says, Oh, what are you looking for? And I said, I don't know. I don't think it's here. And he's like, well, what are you looking for? And I'm like, oh, and I just sort of ran away. And I ran back to my wife and I said, like, abort mission. Yeah. So, but um, it was, the yeah. odds of that working on a random Sunday were like 80%. Yeah, that's what I thought. You know, I feel like you should have tried it again. But now it's awkward we, to be the guy who walks in. The, well, the, my wife would not have let me. Yeah. I think, but now I think you could just like use like Facebook or something and like search like wedding at Marina or, or Instagram, you know, like. Do, but do people post their wedding? Oh, I see. People take yeah, pictures they, and attack. They, they, they geo But then the wedding's already going. So then you got to jump in your car and zip over there. Exactly. But you live two minutes away. Yeah, but, but you got to be suited up and showered and shaved. Sure. And that's that's true. Oh, effort. you shave for weddings? Oh, man. Look at you. You're fancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So thank you again to all our listeners. This was a lot of fun. We have to give each other assignments. So you gave me one assignment. Yeah, but right? I was you thinking assi- because we, we're so behind on the TV show assignments, can we agree to cut it from two movies to one? Okay. Yeah. So I was going to sign you, unlike TV, I was going to sign you a movie that you would actually enjoy. And it's an hour and a half. It's not 10 hours. Okay. So two, so I don't care. One or two, either way is fine with me. It's let's not do, a big deal to watch Let's a movie. do one because we, we, you know, we should really focus on catching up on the TV show. Okay, fine. So I was going to assign you The Believer, which I had number 39 on my list, as my second assignment. I will only give you one movie, In the Loop, which I had number 16 on my list. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at my top... You've seen every movie in my top 15, I think, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm going to go to In the Loop, which is number 16. Okay, and I already assigned you King of Kong, the documentary. Yeah, yeah. Do you know where that's streaming, or do I have to Google? Oh, come on, streaming? do the work yourself. All right, okay. All right, so I will watch King of Kong. I will watch it in the next couple of weeks, now that Game of Thrones is over, as well as, as Veep and Silicon Valley and, and all my other beloveds. That's over, so I, I will I will get to this, and I will also uh, continue watching Teaching the Genius as well. Yeah, you know what? So I think why don't we do we'll do our, our NBA players podcast next week, but as in a moose bouche, uh, let, let's discuss a couple of other topics, uh, sort of semi related right now. How about that? Sort of transition from movies over to uh, okay. So to next week is the hundred greatest basketball players of all time podcast. Huh, NBA players. NBA. What did I say? You said basketball. Oh, you're going to correct me. Well, I am going to correct you, and I'm going to tell you why. As an amuse-bouche, one of the lists I recently made is I ranked uh, my ranking of the top 50 WNBA players of all time. Why? <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm why? A, a, a noted proponent of female sports, but the WNBA is, uh, is an embarrassment. You only say that because the greatest dynasty in American sports right now is the Minnesota Lynx, who have won three of the last five titles, are the only overwhelming favorite to win the title this year. They started the season 13-0. and Four of the 12 members of the U.S. women's basketball team are members of the Lynx. My list is dominated by members of the Lynx. So uh, I'm a big Lynx fan. And uh, in, in Minnesota, the Lynx are probably our most popular team right now. I did see they got 13,000. The Twins are probably going to have a game at the end of the season with less than that. Oh, for sure. Twins are terrible. I went to the Twins game uh, yesterday, actually, when they did beat the Yankees. So that was nice. Anytime you beat the Yankees, it's always good. So knowing nothing about the WNBA, other than you're just going on name recognition, I'm sure you've heard some of these names. Can you try, just just give me the names of who you would guess would be like the greatest players in WNBA history. Lisa Leslie, for sure. She's number two on my list. Cheryl Swoops, although I don't know how long her career was. She's, num- she's number five on my list. Okay. Rebecca Lobo. No, she's... She, she, she only played like one year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she was, she was a, already... The league was kind of done. Yeah, there's no... Teresa Edwards. 
not on my list. I think she was like the best player. Remember, there were two leagues to start with. Yeah, there was the ABL. So I think she may like, have been yeah. like the star of the oh, ABL. At first. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, so wrong league. Sorry, sorry, sister. No, I mean she switched, but I, I I'm, I'm just doing this off the oh, top of my head without Google. She didn't play enough. She didn't play enough in the WBA then. But she was like a early '90s legend. Was yeah. like Jen Rosati. Was she in the league for a while, or may, that might have not have been? No. no. Okay. Uh, so Nikisha really Sales. Into... Not on the list. I'm just naming like the old, like great UConn players. Svetlana Brasimova also probably didn't play that long. No, yeah, you're too. But too okay, much the Teresa 90s. Witherspoon, she's in the 30s on my list. After 25, I sort of had it in like categories. She was a great defensive player. Well, why are we doing this? Teresa Witherspoon averaged five points per game in her career. Okay, well, so, so wasn't there another like Weatherspoon or something? That was Clarence Weatherspoon on the. No, 60s. I know, but I thought they had like two Weatherspoons, the Liberty. I don't know. Oh, what about Sue Bird? Yeah, Sue Bird is number 21 on my list. Good point guard. Okay, uh, Swin Cash. Not on the list, but she's still active. Uh, yeah, it can, does Maya Moore make it already? She's number eight. Yeah, but she's yeah. She's only played five years, so she's gonna go higher. Up. Tarasi. She's number eight so far. Tarasi's number four. Um, and if she hadn't taken the year off in Russia, she might be three even. Or two, uh, hatchings, four. catchings, Tamika catchings, Tamika catchings. She's number one on this list. Oh boy, which is very, which is very surprising to me. Uh, you know, I don't watch that much of NBA, although I do watch links games sometimes. Look at look how many names I've come up with here. What about a Shemika yeah, Holmesblog? She's number fourteen on my list. Lauren Jackson. She's number three on my list. Yeah. Lauren Jackson and Lisa Leslie basically had the identical career. Who cares? And I, I'm someone who could like name all these people. Off they the top both of my head. won three MVPs. So, they both it, won so two don't titles. rag on. No, not knowing anybody cares. But I'm very impressed. So I'm saying like the people don't like. I, I when I so I say I don't care about WNBA. Like I could even name the players, but yeah, I just very like, impressive. What about Elena, Elena Deladon? So yeah, she's only played three seasons, but I already have her number twenty-five on my list. Yeah. She's the reigning MVP. What about Candace Parker? Candace Parker is number seven on my list. She's seven on your list, but did not make the seven all-time in her prime still didn't make the Olympic team. She was the 13th person. I feel like the U.S. women's Olympic team could beat the U.S. men's this year. Oh, okay. So hold on. So here's another list I made. So I've, you know, made, I've ranked all the uh, U.S. men's Olympic basketball teams, you know, the dream teams. I I did that ranking once upon a time Uh and I updated it to include the 2016 team. Okay. Which they've just announced that team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. So the best team, quite clearly, Dream Team won. Yeah. Right? And, and by the way, this is a statistical ranking. So th- what I did is I took their stats. But who's the worst player? Is Leitner the worst pro to ever make a Dream Team? Ever? No. No, not even close. Are you kidding? Really? Who's worse than Harrison? Leitner? Harrison Barnes. Every year there's a few. Harrison, well, Harrison Barnes, Barnes is, is, is a kid. Like, he could end up having a good career. Okay, well, Christian Leitner was a kid. <laughs> right, but no, we know how Leitner's career ends because he's 50 years no, old. No, uh, well, well, so we'll go through this. There's many people who had worse careers than Christian Leitner. So give me so the, the worst player this, in every team, okay? Okay, okay. So the way I did this ranking is, uh, it, it, obviously, the, the Olympics take place in the summer between two seasons. So I averaged their NBA stats for the previous season and the NBA stats for the following season, and those are the stats, and then I did the stats for the average for the whole team. So 92 was the best by yeah, any but margin. but what if they got hurt the year after? I feel like this is a flawed system. Well, uh, you know, like Larry Bird is an example of that. Well, look, uh, but but I'm averaging point. I'm averaging per game. I'm averaging rate stats. Okay, I got so, it. So uh, other than win shares, win shares are cumulative, but everything else is a rate stat. It's okay. PR. If it, so 92 is the best team. Leitner was the worst player on that team, and Michael Jordan obviously the best player on that team. 96, David Robinson's team, Dream Team Two. They're the second best team. They actually had a higher. You know, they're very very close to 92 actually, but they didn't have the star power obviously of the first one. Who's and the best the player, Robinson? David Robinson statistically was the best player on that team. And I would say that the worst player on that team would probably, in terms of his NBA career, even though he actually started for the team, which is really weird that they started him, I'd say Mitch Richmond probably was the worst. Or, oh, or Mitch Richmond was a great player. That's ridiculous. Mitch Or Penny Hardaway, one of those two. I mean, that's a good team if Penny Hardaway's your worst player. Mitch yeah, Richmond well, was a great shooting guard on terrible teams. 
No, Mitch Richmond's one of the most overrated players of all time. He sh- he should not have been making all star teams. He scored 22 points a game for a, a team that won 25 games. No, Richmond was good. I, I no. disagree. Um, all right. The third best team of all time. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a guess here? Yeah, 2008. No, 2012. Oh, okay. 2012. The uh, 2008 is next. They're, those teams are very close. 2012 and 2008, the LeBron teams, obviously. But they had some uh, weak. They had... Um, 2000, so 2000, yeah, 2012, the worst. Well, Anthony Davis never played, but you know he was really young. He was 19 who, years old. Who's the, who's the other? Like, who's the 11 men? Like Iguodala, I, I, Iguodala, James Harden. Actually, so I, I, so I actually I list the teams in terms of actually how they played. So who they chose as the starters in the Olympics and minutes per game. So yeah, Harden got the second fewest minutes. This is James Harden when he was only. This was in between when he went from Oklahoma City to Houston. So Harden and, and Iguodala and Anthony Davis were the three guys on the end of that bench. Mm-hmm. Tyson Chandler was the starting center. He actually barely played. Also. But because um, Kevin Love would play mostly, Chandler's not but, uh, a great international player. Yeah, but but he he, he would start. Love is a really good international basketball player. Yeah, yeah. Chandler only had 11 minutes a game. Actually, Iguodala had more. Do you know uh, who's so, you know who's fantastic when we're talking about big men who are way better internationally than uh, domestically? He's not a big. Well, man. Carmelo is the bat is the best yeah. example, but he's not a big man. Well, yeah. Carmelo is like just as good as LeBron offensively. Um, yeah. for, uh, but Chris Bosh was amazing uh, for the Olympic team. Was was but even in Dwight Howard's absolute apex was better than Howard on that team. So in 2008, yeah, Bosch started in 2008. They actually started with they went with three guards. They went with Chris Paul, Dwayne Wade, and Kobe, and yeah. then their big. And then they had LeBron and Chris Bosch, yeah. and Howard came off the it was bench. Just unstoppable lineup. Yeah. What's crazy um, is they almost uh, lost because so t- so the reason 2008 is lower than 2012 is because the end of their bench they had Tayshawn Prince, Michael Red, and Carlos Boozer. But it didn't matter. Oh, of course, not as so, like they didn't yeah, get they didn't get yeah. near the court. Not, neither of those guys. Yeah. yeah, I remember Red was on, like they didn't get near yeah. the court in the. I mean, they had Kobe I mean, and LeBron. Uh, like so playing the, catch with half yeah. half the game, so, but they so, almost okay, lost. So, Remember, people forget. Like, yeah, they, Spain. They they're up five. two or one, and Kobe comes down the court and gets fouled while he hits a three, and that's the end of the game, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 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 we have the first two, then we have a uh, bit of a drop to 2012, then we have a bit of a drop to 2008, and now we have a huge drop. And then these and then these bottom three teams are, are quite worse. So the next team on our list is the current team, 2016. See, uh, to me, this is probably the worst team. It just has the difference between this team and the two that you're going to say after is this team has Durant, who already proved in the world championship six years ago that he can win an international competition by himself, which he did. I'll say this. The 2004 team, which is the only team not to win a gold medal, and they won the bronze, and that was the team led by Duncan. That was by far the worst team, and we'll get to that team in a second. You'll see who their starting lineup was. They were, they were by far the worst team. Uh, this year's team, you have the starting lineup is probably going to be you'll have Draymond, Durant, Carmelo, Clay Thompson, maybe Kyle Lowry. I'm not sure how they'll do that. And then off the bench, you have Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, uh, Boogie Cousins. You don't, you know, the only really superstars you have is Kevin Durant is the only guy who's like a top five player in the game. But everybody else on this list is pretty much a top 30 player other than Barnes. If Durant pulled out tomorrow, they don't win the gold medal. That's silly. It's not silly. There's uh, no way. They still have far and away more talent than any other country, and it's not even remotely close. Uh, they wouldn't be able to deal with the Gasol brothers inside and and uh, Miritich. Well, I, I mean, what you, inside they they have they have Boogie, they have DeAndre Jordan if they you know if they need to play him defensively. They have Draymond Green, the Gasol brother. All right, anyway, so that's the 2016 team. But the, by the way, this team if uh, this team at full strength, I think would have been number two all time. If you're saying if everybody was playing, if, if you if Curry you could just pick 12 guys, if you have if you added to this team. No. Curry, it would, LeBron, it would, not, it would not, it would not be ninety six, no. but it could be two thousand twelve. Curry, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi. Again, we said ninety six. The Harden. worst, the worst player on the team is Penny Hardaway or Mitch Richmond. So you could have come up with a scenario here where the worst player on the team was. I mean, it's hard to come up with too many. No, good look, big look men. at look at look at the swingmen here. Yeah. It's it's 
Clay Thompson, Paul George, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but they don't make the team. DeMar DeRozan. They don't make the team. None of those guys are, are even in the top 20 at full strength. Think about it. At well, small then, forward, at small forward with full strength, they have LeBron, Durant. They no, promised LeBron's Paul George and, okay. and Kawhi and Carmelo. Like, just at small forward, they have those four guys. So then it's yeah, but I'm sh- talking about guards. Right, so the then at shooting guard, you bring Harden. Harden stinks. You you have Can't you bring well, well in international ball when the, his long twos or threes he doesn't stink. All right, but is Harden first career going to be better than Mitch Richmond or Penny Hardaway? Uh, Harden first career is better than Mitch Richmond. Yes. Yeah. Much better offensively. If you want to yeah, say but, he's such a zero defensively, but I I would have to do yeah. a deep dive into Mitch Richmond's defense, which I'm not. All right. Anyway, so so, yeah, so then we have the 2000 team. This was the team. This was Kevin Garnett's team. I actually, actually told the story about when he dominated the one on one tournament there. Yeah. Um, this is also Vince Carter, obviously dunking on Frederick Weish. Um, they had Gary Payne and Jason Kidd, Ray Allen at the guards. But the the end of the bench, you had Steve Smith, Allen Houston, Vin Baker, Sharif Abdurrahim. So um, that bench was not particularly strong. And then the 2014... Sharif Abdurrahim was a big man version of Mitch Richmond, basically. I don't think he ever played the, a playoff game, Sharif Abdurrahim. But he, I think he just did the, when, he came to, when, when he came to Atlanta. Maybe at the very end of his career. Yeah, but, but. yeah, but he played forever for the Grizzlies when they were terrible. Yeah, he was just putting up numbers on a bad team. Yeah. And then the worst team in the professional players playing in the uh, Olympics era, of course, and this is yet further proof that Tim Duncan is not as good as Kevin Garnett, which we'll discuss next week. The 2004 team that won a bronze in embarrassment. Well, Duncan isn't good, wasn't good under FIBA rules, that's for sure. Garnett definitely beats Duncan in FIBA. Yeah, this was, this was Duncan at his peak, but the problem is this is the rest of their lineup. Richard Jefferson and Lamar Odom. And then Allen Iverson and Stefan Marbury. Listen, Richard players, Jefferson, uh, 12 years before his prime, where he's playing 35 minutes a night in the NBA Finals. It's crazy. So you know who Richard Jefferson's backup was in, oh. this, in this tournament? It was LeBron James. Oh, I thought Marion was on that team also. Sean Marion was. Yeah, he was more like Odom's backup. But yeah. Lamar Odom, probably the only guy in that starting five. Was Amare on that team or no? Amare was on that team, yes. So it was a very was talented like, team. They just didn't really. It was, it was the dead era for point guards. There were no good point guards in the league. Well, Marbury was was putting up numbers, but was you know a zero in terms of. Per- well, the other thing is they had no guards in their team. Like their entire team had three guards on the roster. It was Dwayne Wade, Allen Iverson, and Stephon Marbury. Yeah, but like a year or two later, team that a- team has Chris Paul, and they win. They win the title. Yeah, everyone else on that team. And also, was a it was forward. a year. It was one year before LeBron could have dominated by himself, basically. Yeah, LeBron was nineteen. He was you know coming off the bench, but yeah. But the next season, already in the NBA, he he took the league base. The, yeah, this was coming off of the rookie season for like LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade, who all made the team. And then the next year is when they really took yeah, the next Yeah, amazing step. that Carmelo's going to be on his fourth team this year. And yeah. Nobody's ever won three goals, but he's getting a fourth try to win three. Yeah, so that's another ranking I made this week. Wait, do you want to play a quick game? Yeah, let's, I'm always up for a game. So I just, like, I just passed by the trending topics uh, for New York. So Eric Lindros is trending. So the game is, and if you know, it's boring. Why is Eric Lindros trending? Like, did he murder somebody? Is he in jail? Well, I'm trying to think. So did they announce, like, the Hall of Fame votes just now for the NHL? June 27th. I don't know. When did they do that? I have no idea. Okay, so if he wasn't just announced to the Hall of Fame, then my next guess would be that he did something really bad. He committed some kind of crime. Okay. Hockey Hall of Fame, class of 2016. Oh, I was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's a good game. We should Maybe we should play that every week. Why is so-and-so trending? Oh, you made me feel bad. No, it was a good um, guess. Okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, we discussed this a few weeks ago, but I actually went and I counted how many Twitter followers basically every prominent athlete has uh, active athlete, and then I ranked them. And the reason we did this, I think, is because I had said to you, you, you were posting the your ideal candidates for a Space Jam 2, and you neglected to mention Ricky Rubio, and I said, you know, Ricky Rubio is really popular internationally, and you said, oh, he's not, and I said, oh, I bet he was in the top 20 in Twitter followers, and you said, oh, there's no way. So I went, and I, I've seen these lists online, but I went and made my own list because I didn't trust the, uh, the masses. So this is as of June 1st, 
and I rank the top people in, in all four of the major sports in this country in okay. terms of uh, how many Twitter followers. All right, so have. baseball, basketball, football, and soccer. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get hockey out of the way. All right. Only one uh, NHL player has a million Twitter followers. You want to guess who that is? Sidney Crosby. He does not have any. Oh, he, he does not have Twitter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh, so, good I mean, question. It, I mean, it, I thought it was pretty obvious, but maybe not. But you're not a hockey guy. You thought it was obvious. The King is the King on Twitter? He's the King. Henrik Lundqvist. He's the King. You didn't know he's the King? Oh. You live in New York and you don't know who's the King in New York? Henrik Lundqvist is sixth with 600,000. Okay. But he's the King. I, 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 he's yeah. the King of your city. He's, he's, he's a very well-dressed individual. Um, it's Alex Ovechkin. He has over 2 million. Nobody else has even 800,000. Oh, okay. No. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's also got the rush. Yeah, so he's got over two million. He has more than any major league baseball player. Yeah, baseball should just like blow themselves up. It's crazy. All right, so, so okay, so baseball number one should be uh, well, who's number one? It should be Mike Trout. It is not. It is Mike Trout. Who's number two? And they're separated by four thousand people. Is it Joey Bats because he follows a million people to get followers? He's number five. Okay. Number two. Here's a clue. I told a story which was published on Deadspin about a friend of my wife's hooking up with this player. You told the story? He's not good at all. I cannot understand why he's number two on this list. Oh, and this is a male player? Yeah. Oh, it's a different he's a story. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not safe for the podcast. <laughs> all right, that just got cut out. Um, yeah. Hmm. I don't remember this. You've told the story on the Swisher. podcast? Nick Swisher. Oh. Nick Swisher has 1.73 million Twitter why? followers. Was he, does he also, like, is he a follow backer? I got no effing clue. That's why this is an interesting game. You're Maybe he must have bought a million followers. I don't know. Number three is a player, an Asian player, so he's got a, a, a whole other market. It's you, Darvish. Oh, okay. I... All right, number four is David Price. Five, as you said, Joey Bats. And six, there's only six players in baseball with a million Twitter followers. Wait, the Deadspin story was fake. Which Deadspin story? The Nick Swisher story. Well, they didn't hook up, but they danced together and they oh, took pictures that, together. Oh, the, the pictures are real. Didn't you say it was slightly exaggerated? Okay. All right. Uh, what were you saying? Sorry. All right. There's, so there's only six players in baseball with even a million Twitter followers. Jeez. Mike Trout, Nick Swisher, Hugh Darvish, David Price, Jose Batista, and Brandon Phillips. It's random, isn't it? Yeah. I feel like David yeah. Wright would have a million if he was on Twitter. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now we're going to get to the NFL because this is batshit crazy. So first of all, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Matt Stafford, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer. None of these quarterbacks have Twitter. Okay. Fine. Good for them. I bet, okay. I bet Sanchez one, doesn't have Twitter. Mark Sanchez is number 18 on my list. Really? Yeah. I bet he's number one in DMs, though. <laughs> Can you Number one on this list with over 3 million Wait, followers? Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Offense or defense? Offense. Not a Q, you won't guess. Not a QB. Not a QB. Was much better in college in the NFL. Has dated a Kardashian. Maybe that's why he's on this list. Dated a Kardashian? Dated the best Kardashian. Dated Kim. Oh, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Yeah, that is a little funny, but right. He was he did date a Kim. A little Kardashian. funny? That's insane. Why Reggie he, Bush was like he? really, really famous for a while. And it was probably right when everyone was getting Twitter followers. Like no, now I don't even college. know how you'd get to like a million. Yeah. Michael Vick is second, by the way. Surprising. Drew that Brees is shocking. third. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Drew Brees is third. Aaron Rodgers and JJ Water fifth and sixth. Then you got Seahawks, Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, Johnny Manziel is still 10th. That's funny. <laughs> He's not an active NFL player for long. RG3 is 12th. Uh, Adrian Peterson is 14th, and that's all that has a million. Although Odell Beckham Jr. is just is 940,000, and he'll be over a million this season, I assume. How many? Hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick's not on Twitter, right? I don't know. He's, he's not anywhere near my my. my I feel like Brandon so. Marshall has a lot. Doesn't he have a lot? He doesn't have 750,000, so he's not on my list. Okay. 
All right, NBA. So now we get to the NBA. Thirty. There's over 30 players in the NBA with a million Twitter followers. So NBA completely blows these other sports out of the water. First of all, let's start at the top. LeBron. The King with, oh, yeah, he has over 30, 31 million Amazing. Followers. So he has more than every player in fo- football, baseball, and hockey combined. <laughs> Kevin Durant, it's a little surprising. He doesn't have much of a personality. He's number two with almost 14 million. Yeah, that is, that is like crazy. Yeah. Number three, although I don't know if I should really count him because he's no longer active, is uh, Kobe Bryant. He has nine and a half million. Okay. And by the way, uh, as, we, as we've discussed previously, Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan not on Twitter. <laughs> no. They're too old. Uh, Carmelo is four. Dwight Howard is five. Steph Curry is six. Talk about an old guy. Paul Pierce is ninth. He has more than Blake Griffin. That surprises me. Yeah, the Boston fans love PP. All right. And then we really get into a lot of international players, which makes sense. Paul Gasol at 11. Manu Ginobili at 13. Ricky Rubio at 20. Tony Parker, 21. Rudy Fernandez, 27. So I think it's just a lot of international followers. Um, uh, Mario Chalmers, by the way, is number 30 on this list. I'm not sure what he's doing there. Is that like just like LeBron carryover from like when, when everybody on the Heat? Cause Chris uh, followed, it could you know, be big... like all the crazy Kansas fans following him. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Um, yeah, so a, lo- a lot of weird ones. But, uh, but foot basketball is generally it's what you expect. It's the stars and then some international stars. But football is really crazy. And baseball is absolutely – I mean, Nick Swisher being number two. That, that makes no sense on any planet. Yeah, there has to be a reason why Nick Switcher has so many. I mean, he was on the Yankees for a while, but that that doesn't mean a it, lot of people are on the Yankees. Right. Yeah, does, does A Rod have Twitter? He does, right? Uh, he doesn't have enough followers to be on my list. I feel like he has. Some of these guys also like never tweet. You know what? I, you know what I always find sad too, when it's like you know, like uh, you're like Misha Barton. Let's say, um, yeah, A Rod has Twitter, but he he only has 196,000 followers, although he rarely. No, actually, he really doesn't. That's kind of shocking. He has so few followers. He's tweeted 300 times. Um, you have these like 90 celebrities like Brian Dunkelman. I once saw had like 400. And it's they just like missed the wrong time. So it's like, oh, they should have like millions. Also, uh, yeah, Misha Barton only has 126. I feel like that's like very low. Chris Russo, the Mad Dog for Mike and the Mad Dog, is like heavily on Twitter. But he has less that, less followers than the, than the Mike Francesa parody account, which is one of the best <laughs> accounts on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that is a good account. Um, yeah, so as, so I said, I think we'll save football for later, but I also did in basketball. I went back and I ranked every team's first-round draft picks uh, going back to 1989. Uh, the Spurs have just about the fewest picks of anybody in that era because, you know, they, they, they trade picks a lot. They go down in the second round. But one of the fun things about this game is as a fan of your team, you remember every single first-round pick your team ever made. Like, I, I, like for example, I'm a Timberwolves fan, so I remember when they took Paul Grant, the Santa Rosa, Wisconsin, number 20, 1997. But you've never heard of Paul Grant. Right, 1997. No, someone once told me, and I was very excited to tell you, like that their cousin was that, like, like the twelfth, like man, white guy on the bench in Minnesota. But I'm not sure we were ever able to figure out who it was. Oh, so but so here's an example. So like the Spurs, a couple of these Spurs picks I've never heard of. You obviously know who these guys are. Livio Jean Charles. Yeah, they still he's still on their cap. They still you know they. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they also they stash all these guys. Last year they took a guy Nikola Milutinov. Yeah, yeah, he's also on yes. their cap. They have, you have to pay. They'd have to renounce them, like to sign Kevin Durant. That's like a two million dollar cap hit to keep those guys, though. Yeah, don't worry, he, Kevin Durant ain't coming. Yeah, so that that was fun. Remember a lot of a lot of old school, especially the guys from the early '90s, like guys like Ala Abdel Nabi on Portland. Of course, yeah. Well, he played in the yeah. NBA. Like he actually had a career. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I know, but because it was fun to remember a lot of these guys. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. Um, yeah. So I made that list as well, but we can discuss that another time. Basically, if there's a sports chart that you want made, uh, you can uh, ask me to do it, and I will do it free of charge because I enjoy doing these ridiculous things. Um, and next week we will discuss the the hundred greatest NBA players of all time. Uh, Akiva, you might do 50, is that correct? I'm happy to do the podcast, but I think it didn't add anything that you also had a list while that while I was going through my list. 
<laughs> I, well, maybe I think it didn't have anything that you had a list. That's when fine. I, went through my list. I just think one person should have a list, and that's why it's time for your list. And I think, but then it, you, but, but the thing is, you need somebody to argue with them, and you, you I need will to argue, but I, but without having to say, oh, he's he's but should be thirty one. In movies and TV, you don't need a list to argue. You can just say, oh, that's a good movie. That's a bad movie. When it's something like NBA players, where it's sort of objectively, you know, looking at their careers, you do need a list. Yeah, but this is something you spend more time on. So, like, whereas on TV and in movies, we have equal footing. You're going to sp- have spent more time researching this list. So my list well, will, that's by why definition, I've given, be worse I've given you a heads up for weeks. Okay, but I just don't think that it makes sense for me to have to make a full list. I will have opinions on your list. Oh, you're so annoying. It's not annoying. Right. It trust me. I, as the as the producer, the self proclaimed producer of this show. I, I'm uh, making an executive decision here that it's a good idea. All right, it's just it, the issue is when I rank you at 47, I don't want you to say, oh, he should be 53. I will have a, a, enough of a list in my head without necessarily doing one through 50. Okay, I mean, at least, at least you could jot down like the top 10 or 15. That, that should not take you more than an hour. Yeah, I could do top 10 for 15. All right, so we'll do that next week, and then we will. Uh, football is on the way, Akiba. Yes, I do think early August I'll be in uh, Florida. Just like last year, we'll be starting our. Uh, but we're, we'll have some. I already have a few ideas for like new segments and a couple different wrinkles. But I think uh, we should be, you know, at it with like a full force football preview. Although I do want to do some Olympic stuff before that, also. Oh wait, I also I want a new catchphrase. I don't like whatever anymore. Oh, done with whatever. But now I said it, so that's good. That's it for tonight because I said whatever. Uh, are you going to tell us your new catchphrase? No, that's next it? week. Well, it's a, a cliffhanger for next week's episode. Okay. Oh, by the way, if people haven't watched it, uh, watch Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. I know I'm super late on that, but whatever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.